first service. Let me introduce you to second service. Second service, this is first service. You guys can intermingle a little bit. We're going to go straight into a word of prayer and then we'll start. We're going to be in John chapter 20 this morning. John chapter 20. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the evidences, the proof. And we want to be followers of you this morning. We want to celebrate you together, one giant family. We come here and we're excited for what you have to share with us. And we pray that you would make yourself known as you have always made yourself known in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, where is he? Everybody's talking about him. Everybody says that he's risen, but I've never seen him. Have you seen him? Some, may people, some people may think they've seen visions of him. Some people think they've had dreams of him, but you've never shaken his hand. And for 2,000 years, he has not been here. He's been present, we know, but we haven't physically seen him. And so the doubters, the dissenters, that sounded like me this morning when I woke up. They're out there and they're giving us the same criticism. Where is Jesus? You guys talk about God, but I'm not going to believe it until I personally see him. He needs to reveal himself. God in heaven needs to reveal himself, and then I will believe. But I want to take a different angle this morning and say that is a good thing to question those things. It is a good thing to question your faith. It is a good thing to make your calling and election sure, as the Bible says, because there are many religions out there. And all of them say, just close your eyes and believe what we say and follow this. And so the skeptics and the doubters and the dissenters, they're right. Where is Jesus? If only the Bible would answer these questions. And of course it does. But we have this belief that when we walk by faith and not by sight, that that means that we're all supposed to be dumb, ignorant followers we may jokingly, and it's pretty morbidly, say, just drink the Kool-Aid. Just believe what you're told. Just be a Christian because they've been saying it for a long time. And we're going to see, biblically speaking, that is not accurate. And it's also no, not what God is asking us to do. So let's read our first few verses this morning, verses 24 and 25 of John chapter 20. It says here, Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, let's build a little bit of background here. The disciples have just seen Jesus. He came and he appeared in the middle of the room. They were hanging out together. They were talking. They were holding each other. They were hugging. I don't know. Maybe there was some emotions. I'd like to think they weren't tearing up. But, you know, if it, the Lord shows up, I, I'll let it slide. And Thomas, he missed all this. And so he comes back to them with his grocery basket. I don't know. I'm just inferring. It says, what's going on, guys? Anything exciting? Bro, Jesus was just here. And he's like, y'all have lost your minds. I saw him on the cross. I saw him put in the grave. He's dead, dead as a doornail. No way, no how, he's not alive. Thomas, we saw him. He was alive. We touched him. We held him. We talked with him. 
And people give Thomas a lot of grief. Oh, Thomas, how could you not believe after all the things that Jesus said? You walked with him for three years. And I, I want to go with it as a different angle because Thomas has a brain and he's using his brain. He saw this is not humanly possible that Jesus could be alive. He saw him bleed. He saw him hurt. He saw the nails. Romans know how to kill people. He's seen it done hundreds of times. He's seen thousands of crucifixions. They lined the roads from Caesarea to Jerusalem in the last rebellion with crucifixions, and not a single one of them came back to life. I don't know what's going on with my guys, with my team, with my bros, but they have all lost their mind. And so Thomas using the brain that God gave him, says, unless I touch it, unless I feel it, unless I know it for myself, I will not believe. But there's a problem, isn't there? The problem is that Jesus appeared. The problem is that He is risen. He is not in the grave. And they did touch Him and hold Him and handle Him. And so to the skeptic that we called out earlier, who says, well, where is he? Where, where, what is going on? Where is Jesus? You guys talk about him, but nobody sees him. We could just say the same thing back. Where is he? Where is Jesus? All they had to do was produce a body. When Buddha died, they cremated him. And they, they split his ashes into eight different urns, and they spread them around, and they buried him into these big burial mounds. And you can go there into Asia today, and you can go visit the grave. Muhammad is buried in Saudi Arabia right now. They built a tomb of interlocking walls with no doors. And you can go to that building, and you can see where he is buried. But you cannot find the body of Jesus. And so the criticism goes right back to the non-believer. Where is he? Where is he? You see, the, the apostles, the disciples, even the haters at that time, and the doubters saw him with their own eyes, they walked with him, they talked with him. John would write in his epistle, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, audibly heard his voice. What is the sound of Jesus like? Hmm, deep voice? High-pitched voice? I don't Interesting. Which we have seen with our eyes. Have you ever thought that John knows what Jesus' eye color is? He has gazed into the eyes of Jesus, which we have looked upon. John and the disciples and the apostles know how Jesus dresses. They know how he puts on his sandals. They know his walk. You know, you, ever, you know a person that has a strange walk? And you're like, oh, I can hear that person coming a mile away. They know Jesus that well, which our hands have handled concerning the word of life. These guys are historical People, they were alive, they existed, they have writings in archaeology, and they have extra-biblical writings and manuscripts, and they have the canon of Scripture, all these proofs and histories showing us that these men were real, they existed, and they were eyewitness holders of this miracle, this impossibility. And yet nobody can find where Jesus' body is. But you got Thomas... Thomas, who walked with him for so long, who handled him, who saw him, who heard him, who knows what Jesus looks like, and these boys are trying to tell him that he's alive. No, no, I don't think so. We have a saying, Mama didn't raise no fool. There's no way that Jesus is alive. 
So where did Jesus go? Why didn't Jesus reveal himself to Thomas? Obviously, Thomas deserved it. Obviously, like the atheist says, God, reveal yourself to me, then I will privilege you with my faith. That is so important. I will give you my satisfaction, my check mark, my approval if you simply open the heavens and reveal yourself. Well, Jesus is not summoned. He is not conjured up. He is not prayed up. He is not going to prove himself to us on our demand. You do not tempt the Lord your God. He does whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases. Where has Jesus been for the last 2,000 years? Wherever he wants to be. Why does one person get a dream or a vision and I don't get anything? I don't know. Ask the boss. He is the Lord of all creation, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He sits in the right hand of the Father on high, completed in the heavens, and He will return whenever He darn well pleases, because He is the Lord and we are not. He's given us the evidences. He's given us the eyewitness accounts. He's performed the miracles. He's given us the miracle of Scripture. He's given us the history of the church. We tried our best to mess it up, and yet Christianity continues to spread the gospel throughout the world. And still, and still, the atheist, the agnostic, the false religions of this world cannot produce the body. Because Jesus told Peter, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Oh, but they have tried. But we do the same thing. I'll believe, when, I'll believe on my terms, in my time, the way I want to, when, when the evidence has been given to me the way that I want. Well, I want to show you that there's nothing wrong with questioning. You need to question. I said it earlier. There are many different religions out there that say to shut your brain off and just obey. The word Islam means submission. They want you just to submit. But the Lord doesn't want blind submission. He wants your heart. He wants you to love Him, not to simply obey Him. Why? Because He's the Lord, and He does what He wants. Did, did I make that clear yet? The Lord is the Lord. He does what He wants. He created all things. We are His creation. He will do what He wants when He wants. And so Thomas, he missed out. Because the Lord is not there when He wants Him to be there. Well, let's read verses 26 and 27. It says, And after eight days, His disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then He said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Notice, Jesus is not upset. Jesus says, why didn't you believe those guys, you moron? I didn't I tell you a thousand times for three years straight that I was going to rise again on the third day? You can't get anything right, Thomas. Get over here. Now, what does Jesus say? He turns to Thomas and says, hey, touch it right here. Touch it. It's okay. Don't be non-believing. Believe. I'm here. It's an encouragement to us. You can question. Questioning doesn't mean doubting. But there's a part here that we're missing, a part that's easy to skip over because the appearance of Jesus can do that. Eight days. What is the conversation like at the dinner table? John's sitting there looking at, at Thomas. 
I am telling you a thousand times, I saw him. No, you didn't. You're, uh, what kind of medication are you on? I know a good rabbi. You can counsel with him for a little bit. I saw him. He's dead. There's no way. Day in and day out, you know that the other apostles are now making fun of him, right? It has to be. If you've worked on a construction site, you've played sports with the guys, the gals are there hanging out, having tea or whatever ladies do. You know they're making fun of him. And Thomas must be thinking, well, they're all in on this, right? This is a gag. They're trying to pull a gag on me. There's no way that he's alive. Eight days straight, they're trying to tell him. He will not believe. Why eight days? Why not seven? Why nine? Why does Jesus even reveal himself? Does Jesus need to reveal himself? Does he have to? Is he being prayed up or conjured up? Does Jesus have to prove himself to Thomas? No. The king arrives when the king wants to arise. And sure enough, they make it crystal clear. The doors are shut. This man is his resurrected life, his resurrected body just appears and says, peace to you. Peace. Peace. Now, where are you doubters at? Where are you non-believers at? No. Does he go after them? No. He says what? In so many terms, he says, here is the evidence. Now believe. Well, we presented the evidence to you in the first service it was presented. On Good Friday, it's been presented. If you've been fellowshipping with Calvary Chapel Low Country for any amount of time, we sprinkle in apologetics. We present the evidence because we do not want you to turn your brain off. We want you to turn it on. Faith is blind, but is not ignorant. No, I have never seen Jesus. I do not know his eye color. I do not know the sound of his voice. I do not know how he fastens his sandal. I have not handled. I have not seen. I have heard through the pages of Scripture, but I don't know his sound of his voice. I don't dream him. I don't have visions or revelations. And he will reveal himself to me, guess when? That's right, whenever he darn well pleases, because he is the Lord, and I am his servant. I am his follower. But I know that he is real. See, we... Believers are in our eight days. We're in that gap. He is resurrected. He is the Lord. He is in control. But we are in our eight days when we follow Him by faith and not by sight. But that doesn't mean that we are to be ignorant, to turn our brains off, to just believe things because people say things. If there's any time in civilization where you need to question all the information that's filtered and given to you, it is now in the 21st century. But we are not called to be dumb. See, in James chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Don't miss the without reproach. Lord, I got some questions about my faith. Lord, I know, I believe, but I need some reinforcement. I need some education. And the Lord doesn't say, well, you're so dumb. How many times do I have to tell you? It says without reproach. That means ask whatever you want. The Lord's going to give you the wisdom. He'll give you the evidence. He'll give you the eyewitness testimony. He'll give you the historical records. He'll give it and balance science and the Bible, the prophecies. You can question it if you lack wisdom. Ask and you shall receive. Seek 
and you shall be find. The Bible says here, it will be given. Ask it. Ask it. What did Thomas say? Jesus was not present. And Thomas told them, if I touch his hand and I touch his side, if I feel the wounds, then I will believe. And what is the very first thing that Jesus said when he arrived? That's a trick question. He said, peace be upon you. That's what he said. So the second thing that he said is, Thomas, right here. Right here. You wanted proof? Here I am. Why? Because he doesn't have to hide. The Lord is not hiding. The Lord is not scared. The Lord has not disappeared because the critics are hurting his feelings. He is not in a safe zone or a safe place. No, he sits on high in the heavens at the right hand of the Father. He is alive. He is not in the grave. He is not there. But he also says to Thomas, touch me, touch me, touch me. Because he's real. You may be in the position right now where you are Thomas. You have people like me that are saying, I felt him. I know him. He's here. I'm telling you a thousand times he's here. I talked to him. I saw him in the pages of Scripture. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. He has radically transformed my life. I have had interactions with the Lord. Trust him and believe. And you're like, no, no, because that sounds like a fairy tale and you've lost your mind. I know you, Mike, you're not that smart. To that I say, amen. But James 1 says, ask, seek, seek, touch him. The Lord will respond, but he will respond how he wants, when he wants, when he wants. And now verses 28 through 29. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so Jesus reaches out through the praises of Scripture, and he speaks directly to you. See, he speaks to Thomas. Blessed are you who see and believe. He's not reproached. He's not criticized. He's not condemned. The church does that. We do that. We say, oh, doubting Thomas. He's known for being doubting Thomas. You should change it to, oh, smart Thomas. Oh, guy with a brain that's not easily deceived, Thomas. And we say, oh, shame on him. But I say to you, are we the believers? Are we the followers? Or are we the doubters? And Jesus doesn't rebuke him. And then he reaches out almost as if, you know, you're watching a movie and they break that wall. They break that action. They look at the audience. So Jesus does the same thing. He says to you, blessed are you, for you have not seen. It's inferred in the scriptures here, more blessed are you, believer, here today who has not seen and follow after him. Not because you're blind and you're ignorant, but because you have engaged your mind, you have examined the evidence, you have had fellowship with Christ by faith alone. For 2 Corinthians 5, 7 does say we walk by faith and not by sight. That doesn't mean we're dumb. We have some people in the fellowship here, they fly airplanes, and they have something called being instrument rated. Instrument rated means when it's dark and it's stormy, you cannot see. 
But are they flying with their eyes closed in the cockpit? No, they're following the evidence. They're watching the gauges and the dials. They know exactly where they're at because they're following the, ex the examples. They're following the instrumentation. They're following the science. And it says, if I do these things, I will hit my destination. Believer, we walk by faith and not by sight. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God are our instrumentation. It's how we navigate through this life. And you will find that destination, not because you can keep it, but because the Lord is faithful. He will never lose you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. No, Christians are not dumb. They are not ignorant. But we do walk by faith and not by sight. But again, to the critic, I say, where is he? You criticize me, the believer, because he is not there and I cannot see him, but I criticize you. Where is he? I can find Buddha. I can go to Muhammad. I can get to Joseph Smith. You pick your prophet, your Messiah. We can go to his grave and point in the dirt and say, Ha-ha, where's Waldo? I found him. <laughs> not for the Lord. Not for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not for Jesus of Nazareth. All the enemies of the gospel had to do was produce the body. They killed him. But they couldn't keep him. They couldn't hold him in the grave. And for 2,000 years, that message continues, radically transforming civilization, radically transforming the lives of those who were doubters, who were haters, who were skeptics, who constantly fell, who constantly questioned, because they're humans and smart ones at that. The Lord's not upset with you. He's not upset with you because you doubt. He's not upset with you because you don't drink the proverbial Kool-Aid. No. But blessed are you who believe without seeing. You've checked the dial. You've read the instruments. You've seen the evidence. And you say clearly, clearly, He is the Lord. And we shall receive greater blessings. Well, you say, I need more evidence. That's a cute story. There's lots of cute stories out there. There's myths and mythology all over the place. I mean, I watch it on TV every day. I got some awesome sci-fi flicks, and I got some old crusade flicks, and I got some historical stuff and some dramas. I mean, you can make up a great story. We need some more evidence. All right. I raise you verses 30 and 31. <laughs> and truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, what? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. They are written, this book, this Bible is written as a history. It is not a mythology. There are eyewitness accounts, and extra-biblical historical writings that say that these things are accurate. And over and over, you can go to the dirt and you can dig up the stones that have the names, the places, the people, the historical, chronological evidences to support it. And then these people sealed their testimony with their lives. What's the first thing you do when you pull over a bunch of hoodlums that you think robbed a store? You separate them and you question them. Because even if they line up the details. And then what do they do? You guys are watching the crime shows just like I am. They get one to flip. Hey, if you talk on the other ones, you'll get the 10-year sentence instead of the life. You'll serve half, five years, then you're home free. Let's put these guys in prison. You didn't mean to do that. And then sure enough, one of them crack. 
Is that not life? Is that not life? I know, I don't know about your friends, but the ones I grew up with said they were in the jail cell with me, right? No, they were the ones that knocked me over when the police officer was chasing me before I was a believer, y'all, not after, before. (laughs) And they were the first ones to narc and to snitch on me. Yet these guys in this group of questioning doubters, to their grave, everyone died torturous death saying these things are real. That's just make-believe. You're just making up another story. And yet the archaeological historical truths are saying that it's true. And these things are what? Written so that you may believe. The evidence is clearly written out so that you may believe. It doesn't say be dumb. It doesn't say be blind walking into walls and just pretend like this is all. Just shake our hands, hold hands, sing kumbaya, be Christians, be the naive ones. Absolutely not. But there's that nagging doubt. Where is he? Where is he? You know, this world is messed up. When's he going to change it? When's he going to fix it? When's he going to arrive like he did to Thomas? And, you know, we're on day seven and three quarters. And, and people keep talking about him like they know him, but I'm like, I, I mean, I've been studying my whole life. I'd like to see him. Will you turn with me to Revelation chapter 19? All the way in the back, very last book, starts with an R, Revelation chapter 19. If you see a bunch of definitions, you went too far. That's called the concordance. That's not a book. Book of Revelation chapter 19. Jesus is going to show up again. We're going to see him. We're going to go with him. And we're going to read these five verses, Revelation 19. Starting in verse 11. Now I saw heaven. This is John. He's recording these things as yet future. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called, all capitals, the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Psst, that's us. You don't know how to ride a horse? The Lord's going to teach you. (laughs) Verse 15, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And with it, he should strike the nations. Oh, this is the good part right here. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Tell me he doesn't do whatever he pleases. He does it when he wants, how he wants because he wants to do it, because he is God in the flesh. The grave cannot hold him. The world cannot hold him. The doubters cannot defeat him. This whole world is going to rise up in literal physical rebellion, and he's going to show up, and we're going to be with him, and he's going to make all things well. Notice he doesn't come back as nicely as the first time. Well, that's not the Jesus that I follow. Okay, I didn't know you could make up your own Jesus, but good luck with that. 
No, he is the king, or he is nobody. Because it has been well said that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. He's either a liar because he said he is the Messiah, and he's not. A lunatic because he believed he's the Messiah, and he's not. Or he is the Lord because he is the Messiah, and he claims to be the Messiah. The evidence clearly tells us that Jesus is the Lord. He can be ignored. They can even try to forget him. But he is alive now. He was alive then. He will be alive forevermore. He sits on the throne, and he doesn't need you. He doesn't need you to be in church. He doesn't need you to get saved. He doesn't need you to believe in him. He is always going to be the Lord. He is always going to be uncontrolled. It doesn't matter how you vote. Doesn't matter if you volunteer, doesn't matter if you become a missionary, nothing is going to change the fact that he does whatever he pleases whenever he pleases to do it, and he will return. That being said, he wants you. He gave himself for you. He loves you. He has counted every hair on your head. He knows every thought from afar off. Just as he knew when he showed up to Thomas, what did he say? Without reproach, Thomas, touch right here. Now believe. Unbelieving Thomas, now believe. I've given you the evidence. It's clearly here. So where is the Lord? He is not here physically, but the Bible says where two or more are gathered, He is there spiritually. But more importantly, He is sitting at the right hand of the Father in the throne room of God, and He will return soon. How soon? I don't know, because He does whatever He wants. Now get on board. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for giving us brains to engage. Now, we know there are Thomases here. We know there are non-believers here. I hope there's non-believers here, but I hope that they would get saved today. And you can acknowledge God. You can rededicate yourself to the Lord even. by simply saying this prayer with me, silently within your own heart. Father, forgive me. I know that I'm a sinner that you died and rose for me. I give you my life. Please fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, for the rest of us, we pray that we're encouraged, that we would question in the right places at the right time, that you would fill us with your words, that you'd write your words on the tablets of our heart. Help us to examine the evidence, but then help us to believe and to follow you when we know those things are true. Thomas cried out quite well, my Lord and my God, when the evidence was presented. Lord, we pray the same, that we would proclaim that you are Lord and that you are God to the whole world until you reveal yourself to them. And we get to say the greatest I told you so in the history of the universe. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you accepted the Lord today, grab a Bible, take it home. Come talk with us. We will share with you, encourage you. If you need prayer, come on up. There'll be brothers and sisters to pray with you. Have a wonderful rest of your Resurrection Sunday. We look forward to seeing you on Wednesday.